A news anchor is, is someone who, uh, who uh, does precision guesswork based on uh, unreliable data provided by uh, people of questionable knowledge. <laughs> Coming next on Broadcast Bulletin, we'll be talking to Joe Gazin, a former weeknight anchor in Corpus Christi, Texas. Joe worked in the industry for over 40 years. He'll tell us how he got into the industry. Junior high sometime, I was kind of bitten with the idea that I should do something in the performance arts. What brought him to Corpus Christi? In 1977, I got the opportunity to come to Corpus Christi, Texas. Some things viewers were surprised to learn about TV news. They might be surprised to learn that it's actually being done live. And so much more. This is Broadcast Bulletin. Hi guys, welcome to Broadcast Bulletin. We appreciate you joining us. I'm Jacob Brooks. And I'm Jim Stanton. Welcome to the new podcast that dives into the rapidly changing television news industry. We're so glad you're listening. Thank you for your support as always. I'm excited for this episode. Although I'm from San Antonio, born and raised, Mm -hmm. I have family down along the coastal bend. And so every summer as a child, we would always visit Corpus Christi and the beach. So this is my first exposure to watching TV stations that weren't the ones in my market. And so there was always a certain nostalgia attached to it. And the station we particularly watched was KIIII, which is the ABC affiliate. I always watched Joe Gazin and the team there. That They've been the number one station for most of its existence. And that's in large part because of the stable team they've had and people like Joe Gazin, who have been there for such a long time. Needless to say, he is an absolute icon in South Texas. So he spent over 50 years in the broadcasting industry. The vast majority of that was in Corpus Christi. He's originally from Los Angeles. We got to Texas as soon as he could. He also got his start as a radio host in Los Angeles, but in the 1970s, made the move to television and in Wisconsin. Television stuck, but Wisconsin did not. Two years later, he wanted to go to a warmer climate, made that move to Corpus Christi at TV3, and he was there for 43 years. He retired from the day-to-day in Corpus Christi and from TV3 on May 28th, 2021, after the 6 o'clock newscast. I believe they called it the Seligazin, which was pretty neat. That being said, Joe is hardly retired and continues to work, and now he runs his own video production business. But he has his evenings free now, and he is spending one of them with us. So he's going to share his story and his insight into his four-decade career, as well as how he's seen the industry change and advice for those he wants to follow in his footsteps. You're watching KIII-TV's Three News at Six with Joe Gazin. Defense lawyers for Selena's accused killer have a new and controversial request. A new tropical depression forms in the Gulf of Mexico. We'll tell you where it's likely to be headed. And good evening, everyone. Personal injury attorney Thomas J. Henry is facing a stiff fine for filing what Naranzas County District Judge calls a frivolous lawsuit. Good evening, everyone. I'm Joe Gason. Thanks for being with us on this Monday. Leslie is off tonight. We do want to begin with that tragic milestone reached this afternoon as the nation continues to battle the COVID pandemic. So, Joe, we are so honored to have you with us tonight on Broadcast Bulletin. Well, thanks very much, Jim and, and Jacob. And I'll tell you what, the honor is mine. Um, it, you, you got it right. You know, 43 years in, in Corpus Christi and coastal band area of South Texas, not far from San Antonio. Uh, and it was um, a, a good vantage point, I think, for me, because I was able to see uh, over that long period, just uh, how this industry has changed and is continuing to change and, and evolve as we speak. 
Absolutely. Yeah, you definitely see a lot of changes and we're definitely going to get into that. But let's ask the first question to you. So when did the broadcast bug hit you? Talk about that moment up through your college days and then how did you end up in radio? Yes, in junior high sometime, I was kind of bitten with the idea that I should do something in the performance arts. And and so uh, it was just always something I, I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed the public speaking and talking in front of others and that sort of thing. Um, and, and I realized um, quickly growing up in Los Angeles that you couldn't just get on the air there very easily, especially not in television. Uh, and so I, I started in radio and I was very fortunate. I went to USC and they had their own campus radio station, but the station was a, a powerful uh, FM facility, uh, about um, 30,000 watts, I believe, covered all of Southern California. Uh, and so while it was a place where I could make some mistakes as, as a young broadcaster, it was also a place where I kind of uh, was able to, to get my feet wet and, and, and have some influence around Southern California. Uh, and I, I gravitated to uh, talk radio because that's really what I enjoyed. I, my feeling was, rightly or wrongly, that anyone could spin records. And I, I mean, no disrespect to those who spin records, uh, but that it took a little bit more, a little something extra to be able to talk your way through several hours uh, of a program. And so uh, that's how I started out on, on the campus radio station there at USC. And then um, I got a, a huge break. Uh, I got to uh, work at KABC in Los Angeles, the uh, owned and operated ABC station. Uh, and I had a show, of a, a four-hour program uh, in between Tom Bradley, who was then the mayor of Los Angeles, and Regis Philbin, who was a well-known personality even back then. Uh, and uh, so I just got uh, a tremendous opportunity uh, I, my show at the time lasted about, I don't know, six months, something like that. And I, then I got fired uh, from KVC in, in Los Angeles. And the, the uh, explanation was they wanted all names in there. And I was just a kid. I had no uh, particular um, name value at the time uh, in Los Angeles. And, and so they replaced me with Robert Vaughn, the actor, the man from UNCLE. And so they had all names in that in 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 that those hours, and um, they were hoping it would work for them. I don't think it actually did, but in Los Angeles, they change uh, talent, you know, like like most people change underwear and and so forth. It's 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 not uncommon, and frankly, being fired while it was a, a devastating experience at the time, I think. In retrospect, it was actually very helpful uh, that I got to experience that. And uh, you'll, I'm sure, hear from many broadcasters, longtime broadcasters who know firsthand what it's like to be fired. But in my view, it kind of builds character and it helped to shape me uh, and helped me to work harder for the jobs that I got after that. All right. So I have a two part question for this next one. Let me ask you the first part first. So when did you decide to make the transition over to television news and why? The, uh, I was uh, in radio for about, I guess, seven years or so in Southern California. Uh, after getting fired at KBC, I went to the um, 
San Fernando Valley uh, area, and uh, I worked at a little station in Thousand Oaks. Uh, and the station was actually a music station, but I had a talk show right smag dab in the middle of the of the afternoon. And they let that go on for a while because, I, and, and it was really fun to do. I had all the uh, celebrity guests that were appearing then on the Tonight Show and all the all the big talk shows in LA. Uh, and they would actually make the trek out to the San Fernando Valley and, and talk with me. So it was fun. But, but after a while, uh, the management and ownership of the station decided they wanted, they wanted a, 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 to have a solid format throughout the broadcast day. So they just basically eliminated my show. Uh, and I, at that point, decided, you know what? I may have a face for radio, but I'm going to give it a shot and try to be on TV. And I remember I, I packed my uh, Lincoln, um, um, let's see, it was a Mercury Montego, full of my possessions and my uh, audition tapes and, and any video I could gather uh, and traveled up and down the state of California trying to find a job in, in television. And it, it just did not work. Uh, no one was willing to give me that chance. The one, the one opportunity that I got was from a kind-hearted uh, news director at, at uh, KCRA, I'll never forget, in Sacramento, uh, a powerhouse station back then and, and still is today. Uh, who gave me a, he said he didn't have a job for me, but he said he would let me make an audition tape on, a, on, a, on an honest-to-goodness news set. And so that was my uh, opportunity. I did that. Then I had an audition tape to work with and went back to Los Angeles. I got myself an agent who um, was kind of a shyster at the time. He, he, took, he wanted a percentage of whatever I would make uh, with my first job, but I agreed to it. And uh, he got me a job in, in Wisconsin, in a little town called Wausau, on TV. But um, so I, I drove my, my Mercury all the way across country to Wisconsin and uh, experienced cold like I'd never experienced it before uh, and, and got my feet wet there. Uh, from Wausau, I eventually moved down to the capital city of Madison and worked there for another year. And uh, then in, in 1977, I got the opportunity to come to Corpus Christi, Texas, which uh, again was another shock because I'd gone through a particularly tough winter in, in Wisconsin. And I remember calling home at the time after I, I came down here to look around and I said, no matter what they're offering, we are taking because I, I was just tired of the cold. And so that was, you know, the, the 43 years ago uh, in 19 here and stayed ever since and, and and enjoyed it and grew and and kind of was had a had a front row seat to uh, all the changes i mentioned so you do not have a formal journalism degree do you feel like that ever hurt you in your career or did it afford you a different perspective your colleagues might not have had no i i was a, a speech communication major at sc and um at SC, it had nothing to do with, with performance. It had to do with uh, speech pathology, actually. So my, my best education was actually that time uh, that I spent on the campus radio station. That's where I learned the most, uh, learned all the fundamentals, I guess, about you know, radio and what that took. Um, so the answer to your question is, is probably no. Uh, I, I don't think the degree in journalism would have made that much difference. 
I kind of learned as I as I worked. All right. So let's talk about your day to day as the lead evening anchor at three news. I'm sure many viewers assume you just showed up, read the teleprompter and went home, but what really went into your job? Like what time did you get there? What did you have to do? Just like walk us through your day. Well, uh, the typical day, it it was a mistake to assume a lot of people do assume that because they see you uh, twice a day at at six and 10 uh, in this market. Uh, and assume that that's, you know, the, the only time that you're working. Uh, obviously, it's not. Uh, I got there at about two in the afternoon. Uh, I went into an editorial meeting right away where we kind of went over the, the stories of the day and, and what we had to work with. And beyond that, we actually um, discussed the format they would be presented in either a, a, a self-contained reporter package, as we call them, or a VO head, a, a, a voiceover, an anchor voiceover with a soundbite, uh, that kind of thing. We, we discussed all of that. We even uh, talked about the placement in the show at that point. And so that was our editorial meeting. Then we, we broke that up and we got about the business of, of writing. And I always had uh, a producer or two uh, who would do much of the the writing initially for the show, but I was never comfortable as an anchor just reading something that somebody else wrote. So I always reserved the right to take a look at the, the, the copy, adjust it to the way I wanted to read it. Obviously, not changing any of the facts, but just adjusting the style and the placement of certain things. And so I always uh, did that. And I, I would take a, a script that, you know, somebody else provided and typically, you know, change it a bit so that it fit my uh, style of re- reading. Uh, and that's, uh, I did that. That took, uh, you know, several hours. Uh, and often I didn't get a chance to, uh, look it over very carefully. I would usually read it once through, but honestly, when you take part in the writing, one of the advantages it gives you is you have a working knowledge of the script, of of the facts of the story. And so that helps you. I I can, you know, I always recommend to to young journalists that they, that they understand, try to understand as much as they can about the stories they read on the air, because that will save you uh, if you flub a word here and there, uh, you know, if you don't know what you're talking about, it will tend to destroy you on the air and, and you really can't have that. So you need to be able to recover quickly. And one way to do that is to have a good working knowledge of the information. And I, I tried to do that. So I hope that kind of gives you an idea of what I, I did. I, I somehow managed to fill up my days. Uh, and, and then the same process happened for the evening show. We would break for dinner after the early show, uh, come back, and uh, typically there'd be several new items in the show, and then items from the six o'clock that we had to rewrite and make a little bit different for the ten o'clock. Uh, the idea was always to present a ten o'clock show that was different from the six, and to basically give people a reason to watch. If they watch the early show, you want to try to give them a reason to watch the late show as well. So what is one thing you feel most viewers would be surprised to learn about TV news? 
they might be surprised to learn that that when they see their favorite newscaster uh, delivering the news, that it's actually being done live. I can't tell you how many times uh, that I was asked, uh, you, you guys tape that, don't you? And I came back and said, no, we, we are completely live. Uh, and, and so that may be one thing. Uh, you know, the, the other thing is, that, you know, the number of, of people involved in putting a newscast on television. In our case, in our, you know, comparatively small marketplace here in South Texas, we still had about 50 people that I would say had some responsibility in putting our newscast on the air. And if anyone in that chain fell down on their job or didn't do what they were supposed to, it had an impact on the air. So, you know, that always kind of surprised people. I know that, that there are so many people that they don't see behind the scenes. All right. So why did you stay at TV3 for so long? Did you ever get offers from other markets? Uh, why did you turn them down? Do you regret it? Um, you know, when I first came to South Texas, I guess I had the intention of finding another bigger place to work eventually and, and moving on. I never intended to stay as long as I did. And yet, um, time for me tended to go very quickly here. And so before I knew it, I was here 10 years, looked up again, it was 20. You know, it, it really was one of those things where I, it just kind of grew on me. I, uh, of course, had a, a wife and family and, uh, um, and friends and just kind of became uh, entrenched here in the lifestyle uh, as you know, Jim, in, in Corpus Christi is is uh, intoxicating. There's, you know, we live right on the water. We engage in water sports. I have a boat right out back that I can just plop in the water and go anytime I want. And, you know, there's just all kinds of amenities here that make this lifestyle uh, worth having. And so, when you take all of that in balance, you can you can go to a larger market and maybe make a little more money. But uh, at the end of the day you may not be happier with the change. And I guess I kind of came to that realization. So talk about how the industry has changed over the years. You feel like journalism changed throughout your course in the business. Do you miss some of the old way of doing TV news? Or do you think the way it's done now is maybe an improvement? I think uh, there's some pluses and there's some minuses. Um, and, as we all know, I think even people outside the industry know that this is a business that has changed dramatically, and it and it's changed a lot just in the past, say, five years. Uh, so I wouldn't even begin to speculate what it's going to be like five years from now. Things are changing very quickly. Um, it, would, do I miss some of the uh, things that happened back in the old days? I guess so. But... I'll tell you, it, um, it's, it's like, take something like this, a cell phone. I mean, back when I started in the industry, no one could have imagined that you could take something like this, a cell phone. First of all, most people didn't have them, but those you know, who did, you couldn't, you couldn't even think about the idea that you could take one of these and someday be able to broadcast live with decent quality from anywhere in the world. And yet now people do that all the time. In fact, there are a lot of places where much of the video is shot on a, on a cell phone and it gets on the air and uh, you, 
I defy people to tell the difference. It's really that good. Uh, so that's one big thing. Um, the technology, I guess, is what I'm talking about. It's become so easy for people to practice journalism. I mean, you're doing it yourselves right now, whereas before that would have been unthinkable. It would have been impossible. The, the production costs, the, the equipment costs, and all of that would have been uh, prohibitive. Uh, so that's one of the big ways, you know, this industry has changed and, and will continue to change. Um, as for the, the people practicing journalism, I think you would have to say that um, when you watch uh, TV news now, especially local news, you've got to know that the people on the air are younger than they used to be. Uh, and, and they um, are, in many cases, learning their craft from the ground up, even though they're already on the air and, and in a position to influence folks. And, you know, is that a good thing? Well, uh, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of uh, pluses and minuses uh, surrounding that. There are new ways of thinking about things that we didn't uh, in, in the old days. Um, but, you know, are all the journalistic values that we're taught in school rigidly upheld? Maybe not, not necessarily. Uh, so that might be concerning to some people. Uh, but, uh, you know, the basic concept of gathering information and presenting it to an audience continues. And it's a, it's a give and take that will, I don't, you know, that part of it will not change. Somebody will always be in a position to dispense information that we depend on. The way it, the way it gets done uh, now in, and in the future may change. And, and one thing that I, I know is likely to change and, and is already changing in, in, in some respects Back in the old days, you know, people would gather around a TV at, at six or 10 or five to watch their favorite newscast. And that's where they got their news of the day. Nowadays, um, there are consultants in the industry who I've worked with who will tell you that by the time six or 10 rolls around, thanks to these things, people already have a basic understanding of the news of the day. They know what went on. So they depend broadcaster to give them something else, something they didn't already know. So I'm really curious to get your thoughts on social media. Obviously that's just, you know, exploded during your career. Do you think it has helped or harmed journalism? Okay. Social media. And in fact, you know, one of the requirements now, anchor people and reporters uh, and all television personnel, all broadcast personnel, is to not only think about what goes on over the air, but to also come up with content and product that they can dispense on social media. That is part, every TV station has a, a web page and so forth. And they must produce content for those platforms. Uh, back when I first started, that didn't exist. It, was, it yeah. wasn't even an issue. 
so what you're seeing now is, uh, and that's one of the reasons that people are finding out about things before uh, they get on the air because of social media. Uh, and, and very often it's provided by the very same people who, uh, through a broadcast outlet, uh, but but that is an additional amount of work that has to be done by the same people, and in smaller markets you find that 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 additional um, um, task or series of tasks is is put on people who are already hard pressed to get things done and meet a deadline, which still exists. Uh, and, and, you know, that's another reason that, that maybe, uh, you know, the change is coming a little too quickly to, to keep up with um, the demand for accuracy. And, and that, uh, you know, it's kind of a, uh, a danger we all face in the industry, getting something wrong. It happened to me, you know, plenty of times back in the early days and, and up through modern times as well. But I, I would maintain that the the opportunity for that to happen increases when you get more pressure put on you to um, to achieve more in the same amount of time. Yeah. So you did talk uh, a couple minutes ago about how not just at your former station, but really in the gen in the industry as a whole, um, new people are younger. Have you learned anything from the younger reporters who have come through your station? And was there someone who influenced you the most? Uh, sure. Yeah, I've learned a lot of things. Uh, I, I've learned about, you know, rap music stars that I had no idea existed. I, uh, I was, uh, I think I, I've gone through a transition where I was initially reluctant to accept um, new information from people who you know I didn't think had the had the experience that it required uh, but uh, I, I think I've I, I came to the point where uh, look you know they're doing the job uh, they are they are human beings and they're trying they're working hard just like I was and am and, and so uh, I should accord them, the, the respect they deserve. And so the answer to your question is yes. People of all ages. Early on in my career, I um, took advantage of people who had more experience than I did and tried to gain as much as I think that is a universal idea that, that holds true, I think, today. And it's still very someone doing something that you like and admire, try to things that they do. It will only make you get, that isn't to say copy them word for word or, you know, movement by movement. I'm just saying that it's uh, a sincere form of flattery for one thing to really admire what you do. And, you know, would you mind if I just kind of pick your brain and follow you around a little bit? Uh, mo most people don't mind that at all, um, but but that's what I would recommend. And and um, uh, you know we we all learn from each other. Sure. As we alluded to earlier, while you retired from TV news, you are most certainly not retired. So talk about your video production company and what the day to day is like with that. 
it, it's called legal video specialists with attorneys all around the country and produce documentaries for their clients who may be injured uh, through an act of negligence uh, or, or families who've lost a loved one through some kind of negligence or, or wrongdoing. And um, we present these videos and we um, tell the stories of what these folks, typically a lot of tears and emotion and, um, and, and drama. It is a compelling case made on behalf of these personal injury attorneys and the videos settlements before a case gets to trial. And so attorneys who use us are quickly finding that it makes sense to do a video like this and in a way that is, is so compelling that nobody else talks. Everyone listens intently to what's being said. So as someone who just retired from the business in May of 21, why are we, in your opinion, starting to see um, a lot more people leave the business or what is being coined as the great resignation? Um, For you personally, though, did COVID factor into your decision to leave? And then um, what do you think stations can do to increase employee retention and kind of avoid this, you know, great resignation? Uh, interesting questions. I no, COVID had no uh, bearing at all. <clears throat> excuse me on on my decision to leave. I, I still have enough energy to do uh, this work, and so I, I chose to to do that. And I, you know, you always there's a, an axiom in show business that I think applies here as well. And you always want to leave people wanting more. You don't want to be on so long as to have people wondering when the heck off the air. Uh, So I didn't want to be in that position and and decided to, to leave while I thought anyway, people still wanted more. I don't know if they do or not, but uh, at least that's what they were saying. Uh, And as for, you know, eliminating, the, the great resignation, that's, uh, that's a universal problem that transcends uh, the broadcast industry. It, it, it's affecting uh, businesses and, and industries around and around the world, uh, actually, because we, we have, you know, people can work from home effectively. They can, they can get things done. They might have found other ways to make enough money to live, and, and maybe they don't need the jobs that they had but I think um, to make their jobs interesting uh, and enjoyable and, and not, um, uh, not something that people hate. And in so doing, they, they will uh, come back and hopefully stay with them for a good long time. And then do you think because of the loss of all these outlets, it's going to be harder for someone who wants to be a journalist to find a job? You know, there will always be jobs in, in the industry and in uh, television particularly. But what 
you're seeing change is that people are getting younger. They are working for less money and fewer careers uh, are being offered. I mean, there's a difference between a, a job and a career. And I, I think that you're going to, you're always going to have jobs, but whether someone is able to make enough to not only survive, but support a family and to live and grow in a community that's, that's open to question now. And, and uh, it's, it's certainly going to be a lot harder. So out of your nearly 40, 44 years over at channel three, what was the most memorable story you reported on in your time there? Ah, <laughs> uh, so many, so many, but uh, you'd have to say the Selena murder was, was up there. Um, you know, we, we were the focal point of the world at that time. We had a, a, a woman who was holding herself hostage, threatening to kill herself uh, in a standoff with police after shooting and killing uh, this immensely popular uh, international performer and, uh, and someone who all of us in Corpus Christi knew pretty well uh, because we had seen her grow up. Uh, so it was emotional. It was, uh, it, it was shocking. And there was a certain amount of excitement, I, I will say, because of the attention that we were, that we were getting. Uh, I mean, we were all very sad about what happened, but it was kind of cool to be, to be uh, the focus of everyone's attention for this period of time. What is something you learned about your job that you would go back and tell your younger self going into the business, hey, this is something you absolutely need to know? Well, to be prepared for the, the challenges to your own feeling of self-worth. Um, you know, early on, there is a tendency to think that you're kind of a big deal, <laughs> like the Anchorman movie. Uh, but you are reminded uh, along the way you're not that big of a deal, that, that um, other things are, are far more important sometimes. It's, it's kind of a, a shock to the system when you have to kind of learn that. So I would tell people early on uh, that, you know, you're, you're part of it. You're not a star. That's not why or shouldn't be why you enter the business. You're there to do a job as part of a team. And if you get some notoriety, so be it. That's fine. Don't take yourself too seriously because if you do, you're bound to be um, disappointed at times and, uh, and hurt and get your feelings hurt. And, I, and so I, I would just urge people to kind of, not take themselves so seriously. Uh, but the other thing I would urge them to do is to realize that this is a huge responsibility and requires a lot of the people doing it. And by that, I mean, it's important for you as a journalist to learn everything you can learn about a variety of topics, to, to read newspapers, the various news platforms out there today, uh, to every day, 
to spend a good portion of your time absorbing as much as you can of what's going on in the world around you and in the community around you. It will serve you well in, in your career. Me personally, I'm looking to go on to TV news uh, or digital news um, and be on in front of the camera. So what, what is your advice for someone like myself and people who are listening who want to go into the industry? You know, just like I was kind of alluding to before, you, you just try to stay humble. Try, try to st- understand that it's just TV. It's not, it's not brain surgery. You're not saving lives. You know, you're dispensing information. Uh, and you're very, very fortunate to be in that role, to have that opportunity. But at the end of the day, um, you will be successful if you work hard and harder than other people around you. You're successful. You, you hear of, of people who, and I suppose there are exceptions that where that applies, but you know, but the, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And honestly, that, that applies universally, but particularly in, in our business. What was the most rewarding part of your job? Uh, the, the most rewarding part was, was when I got to use television for doing good. Uh, and, and we had um, a number of charities that we... Children's Hospital was a big one. The uh, the area food bank was another one, uh, and and countless others. Ronald McDonald House and on and on. And we were able to uh, use the the power of TV, the fact that we had a, a huge audience, and encourage people to donate at levels that made a positive difference. And in the case of uh, Driscoll Children's Hospital, I know for a fact that the millions of dollars we raised nearly four decades that we were doing telethons for them, that young lives were saved, that uh, sick children became healthy again. Uh, And that made me feel terrific. You know, in terms of reward, I just don't think it gets better than that. All right. Was there a moment when you ever had an embarrassing slip up on the air? I remember uh, doing a stand up on the um, steps of the Pentagon in Washington. I was trying to be cool and walk down the steps as I was talking and, and, and delivering my lines, which I had memorized. Uh, and of course, uh, as the camera's rolling, I go tumbling down the stairs of, of, the, of the Pentagon. And, uh, it, you know, I'm sure it, it looked hilarious. And it, and it, I guess, must have been because it was the one of the lead items in the uh, national dinner in Washington that they have every year. It's a, a big event there. And so that video of me falling down the stairs uh, was was uh, national news <laughs> that that night because it, it was part of the the blooper reel they had. So you know that's that was one and countless others. 
You know, I remember once the set caught fire while I was reading <laughs> reading the news. We had a, a, a big canopy overhead and actually caught fire because one of the lights exploded and started on fire. Um, you know, we've had bugs walking across the set while we were talking. Um, just, you know, crazy stuff. It was to kind of roll with it and, and try to make light of it. Again, if you don't take yourself too seriously, you're not going to be destroyed by something like that. Is there anything we missed that you would uh, like us to touch on? Uh, you need to know going in that uh, it, it's not the way it used to be. That that uh, longtime news anchors in, in big markets and making big money uh, are, are very rare now. It, it really is a, a job that you know, I, I like to tell people that the job I had doesn't really exist anymore. And it's kind of sad. And, and, and so, you know, for that reason, I would say just, just be aware. You know, journalism is an honorable career. Uh, and TV news is an honorable career. But just be aware of what you're, of what you're getting into and the, the realities uh, that exist now. And, and the fact that they're different than the way they used to be. All right. You got to show us your shirt. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, I promised I'd wear this shirt. A news anchor is, is someone who, uh, who uh, does precision guesswork based on uh, unreliable data provided by uh, people of questionable knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> that, that kind of sums it up. No, I, it, I, I had to get that. I saw that online somewhere and I had to order that. But it um, <laughs> it's uh, not fair. Uh, the people in this industry work very hard, and they're they're, yeah. they're good at what they do generally. So yes. I'm not going to trash the industry that that kind of fed me for so many years and and my family. Yeah. But once again, it's just a, a function of not taking yourself quite so seriously, uh, and and uh, and having fun. Because, you know, there's, there's potential for that still uh, in this business of, uh, of tel television news. All right. Where can our listeners connect with you on social media? Well, uh, I have a Facebook page, uh, just Joe Gazin. And then uh, Legal Video Specialists, my company, uh, is also on Facebook. I've got a website. Uh, the address is mylegalvideos.com. Wow. Well. Joe, we were very honored to have you on tonight. We appreciate it. The honor was Yes, mine. thank you. Yes. Thank you. All right. Again, for those uh, just tuning in, well, I'm sure if you're just tuning in, you missed a very good conversation with Joe Gazin, the lead anchor at KIII TV during Corpus Christi up until he retired in May of 2021. Uh, Jake, Jacob Brooks and Jim Stanton are your co-hosts for this. We release new episodes every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, where you need to leave us five stars, Google Podcasts, and other platforms out there. And broadcastbulletinpodcast.com is the website. And finally, Instagram at Broadcast Bulletin. Please follow that for our updates. YouTube, subscribe at Broadcast Bulletin. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Next Thursday on Broadcast Bulletin, Brittany Paulette Gates joins the conversation with us. She spent a decade in the business, mostly as a weeknight anchor in Abilene, Texas. 
She'll discuss how she got her big break. Originally, I actually wasn't even sure where I said yes to going to because in my phone I had ND for news director, uh, but I also had an offer from Fargo, North Dakota. How becoming a mom began to change her perspective as a reporter. I just felt a little um, nervous as I was making choices as a mom um, and, you know, felt like I had to do everything perfect. Why she made the jump over to real estate. So I took the real estate test and I passed and um, started doing it with my husband and it came really natural to me. And so much more. That's next Thursday, wherever you find new episodes of Broadcast Bolton. The views and opinions expressed by the guests in this episode of Broadcast Bolton are solely theirs. They do not reflect those of their past or present employers, nor those of Broadcast Bulletin or its hosts in any way.